Hello and welcome to the Nature Positive Podcast. This is actually the uh, first uh, internal episode we're doing, but you may have uh, heard uh, heard her before. I'm joined here by Snjólug, Dr. Snjólug Olofdóttir, who actually did join us in one of our very first uh, Nature Positive Podcast episodes uh, when when she was uh, the leader for climate change and sustainability services at EY in Iceland. But now I'm, I'm very happy to announce that she's joined Swarmi as our chief product officer and client relations lead. And we plan to do these uh, internal sessions on a regular basis now where we talk about some of the key elements that we are seeing in our work in the nature agenda. And in today's episode, we want to cover last year, so 2023, and uh, the key takeaways we have from from that year and and how we're how we think that's going to take us into a new year that we're, we have now already started so it's newly great to first of all have you on board and, and and looking forward to having these conversations yes thank you me too i think it's it's going to be valuable both for well for us and hopefully the people listening to to go uh, in more depth into uh, these things that are actually happening in terms of nature reporting and sustainability reporting, and yeah, it's a, a lot of lot of things to cover, and, and hopefully we can provide some insights. Maybe just wanted to start by asking you, Snjölug, what you felt uh, stood up in the year twenty twenty three. Well, a, a lot of things. There was a lot going on in in twenty twenty three. I think that, uh, like in terms of climate, uh, a lot of people. Um, you know, got more on board. Like we've seen it in, in the past few years that people are getting on board. And then now they're realizing also, oh, there's this other thing called nature that we, that's not the same thing as climate. And, and we need to need to actually um, monitor and, and see what's happening there also. And, and I think also that people realize more and, and we'll, you know, doing that more gradually. And the near future is uh, that, you know, nature is not something that's nice to look at outside, but it's something that uh, most uh, companies depend on to be able to function, and and that's something that's coming into into the mentality of of corporates right now. So so the they need to to know uh, how they are dependent on nature to minimize risk, and and you know when you start talking this lingo then, you know, you get different ears than before. Uh, so that's that's something that at least I think is really exciting. And and do you think that in, in the year 2023 that, uh, I mean, you mentioned this lingo attracting the attention of, of other people within organizations. Do you think in 2023 CFOs became interested in the topic of, of nature and sustainability reporting in general? Because I guess there's a lot of changes we will, which we maybe will cover on on uh, the requirements that that do fall under people like like CFOs and, and yeah. sort of who who are uh, responsible for the financial reporting of companies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like with the CSRD and the uh, finalization of the ESRSs, uh, I think I think the yeah CFOs and and others are are realizing that uh, sustainability is is not the nice to have thing that it was, but now it's it's something that's essential and and the the data that's needed uh, for sustainability reporting needs to be as concrete and good as the financial information and, and just to decode this uh, acronym soup that you just uh, yes. pulled out uh, so the the EU corporate sustainability reporting directive the yes. CSRD 
is causing chief financial officers, CFOs, uh, mm. to to uh, need to consider the underlying standards and the data required by the European Sustainability Reporting Standards or the ESRS. Yes, yeah, exactly. Thank you. And uh, and and uh, I think yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I even though I think it's maybe 2023 was the year of uh, awareness, and and hopefully 2024 we see more. Adoption and and uh, and action. Yes. So, so but but if we look at at what happened to shape this, I mean, you mentioned the the European Sustainability Reporting Standards, the ESRS. Mm-hmm. So so those came out right in it in their final version last year. Uh, yeah. So they they went from draft to final version um, late late summer, so end of July, if I remember correctly, uh, and and uh, yeah, they're so. Before that, they were, they were more of a, a you know, a, a thing that, you know, companies were looking at. They knew that they would come eventually, but they weren't finalized. So people were, okay, I mean, we have to do something like this. But I don't know, maybe just, yeah, preparing, but not like taking it head on. So, but now because, and the CSRD, so that directive came into place in January 1st. So now it's. Now it's something that needs to be reported on uh, for the fin- financial year 2024. And there are a lot of things that companies need to prepare on and, and uh, finalize and, and put up structures to be able to, to report on correctly for, for this year 2024. So, so uh, moving beyond Europe... Uh, it was. I mean, we at at uh, at Swarmi, we've been we've been following a lot the work of the uh, the task force on nature related financial disclosures or the TNFD. Yes. Uh, just adding to the acronym soup, uh, and and they released the the 1.0 version of of their framework uh, towards the latter latter half of of uh, last year, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that came out in in December, no September. Yep. And uh, yeah, and, and and building upon the uh, TCFD, so Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosure, which has been popular, and 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 uh, companies and, and banks been been using that uh, in financial institutions for for a few years now. So so you know, building on what we had before and the knowledge that we had, now we're taking nature into account, and and I think that's you know, it's it's really good to, to see and, and, and you know now it's like how do we combine these things how do we do climate and nature combined and and yeah there's a there's a lot of things going on so now we're talking about what happened last year but like in a year we're going to be able to talk about a lot of things because there's it's just a boiling pot of, of opportunities right now to to do good things and and Looking at the relationship between these two, so looking at the EU CSRD and the underlying ESRS standards, and the the both the framework and the recommendations of the TNFT, but but more particularly the the s- sort of guidance they provided, mm-hmm. including the the so-called leap approach. Yeah. So what 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 I found interesting is when I when I went into the ESRS standards and did uh, control find and, and looked for the, the both the TNFT as a reference and and leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was actually happy to see that there's a strong cross-reference in these standards towards the leap approach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the ESRS is recommend like they don't they don't say you have to use it, but they do recommend using the leap approach for uh, for all of the 
environmental uh, subjects and, uh, except for climate. So for water uh, and, and marine resource use, for biodiversity, for pollution and for uh, circularity. So yeah, so there's a there's a good crossover over there, and and like for example, for companies that are doing biodiversity and and want to do biodiversity reporting, you know, well, what I've heard is that like if you do TNFT, that's like if you go all the way into TNFT, it's uh, the roles of of um, of uh, doing biodiversity reporting, um, but but still just looking at the framework, starting to use it, it. it totally uh, like um, enhances the ESR, ESRS reporting. Yeah, and what I, what I think is also interesting is just the, the words, because even though it's often used interchangeably, nature is not the same thing as biodiversity and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Because nature exactly. includes more things, so so it's it's quite clear that, that uh, the TNFD is providing maybe a, a broader scope that can be applied not only for the ESRS E4 on biodiversity, Yeah. But also relating, as you mentioned, to to how you should be looking at the other environmental standards. Yes, exactly. And and I think that is so interesting because my concern, and I I, I have this unpopular opinion that I think that um, I, I co- I'm concerned with biodiversity being too much of a buzzword right now. Mm-hmm. That is just becoming the latest sort of uh, silo to build and yeah. and build internal expertise on on biodiversity, which I think is super important. Yeah. But I'm just concerned if it's if it's happening in isolation from uh, pollution from the impact drivers you have yeah. on these these uh, biodiversity ecosystems, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it's so important to understand. I mean, even though you won't have complete causality and complete uh, connection between what a company does and how it has a direct influence on on uh, natural environment and biodiversity, mm-hmm. I still think there's always going to be a big push for having some connection there between. Yeah, because nobody wants to be responsible for biodiversity in an area that they have little or nothing to do with. Yeah. Especially if it's in deteriorating state. So I think that's kind of the, at least what, what I see as a challenge, but also an opportunity because the TNFT is providing this leap approach, which again, again stands for locate uh, your interface with nature, evaluate uh, the dependencies, the way you depend on nature and how you're impacting nature, mm-hmm. assess uh, what these dependencies and impacts mean as risks and opportunities, and then prepare to report and and take action on those 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 information. So, so I think this this especially the first part being the locate being a, a super important element in this is understanding not only like on a high level what kind of countries you're operating or what kind of sort of uh, regions you're operating in from a biodiversity perspective, but actually knowing with more certainty uh, the sort of key touch points you have in nature. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and 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 then you know, um, like you said, uh, not. You know, we we have enough silos. We we don't need more silos. So so making sure that uh, when you're estimating yeah, like the chemicals that you put out there, the pollution, like how is that affecting nature? And then locate like on a, on a like on a micro scale, like where actually are you putting these elements? Like where are they going? Are they going into the air? Um, where are they going from there? Uh, is it going into the soil or water, and where exactly, and where does it end up, and how is it affecting the nature? You know, downwind, downstream, these kind of things. So, so making sure that there's understanding and there's uh, communication between the people that are, and, and I'm sure a lot of companies are already doing a lot of things, and they're not realizing 
that the things that they've been doing, you know, maybe for years, actually goes directly into your sustainability report and should be used for the uh, evaluation of, of uh, biodiversity and and all of these things. So so it's very important that we have good communication uh, within the companies mm-hmm. and where the the data and, and information is, is stored. No, I, th- I think that's a that's a really important point and and of course one we that we work a lot lot on uh in in our work is is sort of is this not only looking at the new and and uh, flashy uh challenges associated with the new reporting requirements but looking at the the things that have been uh monitored for a long while although yeah. often with maybe more primitive and, and sort of old-fashioned methods mm-hmm. which which may need to to change to be to make this more scalable and efficient but but that's I, I couldn't agree more, and I, I think that hopefully this year we will see uh, collaboration of sustainability departments, the sort of financial reporting people, with the environmental health and safety people who have maybe been considering these these uh, uh, local ongoing environmental concerns, and and then also the people responsible for, in the case of companies that are expanding and building new infrastructure in greenfield areas, have been collecting a lot of data on the state of nature yeah. before they came. And then even in many cases monitoring it after they came and how they were sort of influencing it. So I think getting all of this data into the into a format that you can use into the, the ESRS reporting is going to be super yeah. uh, important and, and valuable. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that like when people are looking at the ESRS it's for the first time, they think it's, I mean, it's it's big, it's complicated and all of that, but everyone thinks they're starting at, at zero, but they aren't because they have been doing a lot of these things uh, for for a while, it's just uh, yeah, locating them and and finding out okay, what have we been doing? What do we know already? Starting out there, okay, and then how do we build up uh, our knowledge on what we need to report on? Mm-hmm. So so not not like you said, not going into these flashy uh, words like biodiversity that we're hearing for the first time. Okay, what does this mean? And like finding all of these uh, interlinkages and 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 using them for our uh, reporting and 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 strategic like because the data is for strategy building. I mean, what we need is our good strategies and and good targets and 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 so on. So so using the data that we already have instead of like you know not sweating too much about how we how we do new things, but building on what we have. Mm-hmm. And also to a point you mentioned uh, a while ago uh, that that we shouldn't also get too stuck in the spreadsheets yeah, or, exactly. or the data itself because we also need to know why we are doing this in general. Yes, So like exactly. what, what, what business purpose does it, so, does it serve and, and, and so on. So I think that's that's also becoming increasingly clear to try to make this link between the way you conduct business, the way you make, uh, the way you generate revenue and and, uh, and how it affects your costs rather than it just being a, a sort of a, an additional uh, consideration or, or sort of a, I don't know, like a... a, a corporate social responsibility yeah uh, and I, I think that's one of the the beautiful things about the ESRS is that it's not just like report on this data it's also okay show us and tell us how you put it into your strategy into your business how you're actually using the data to to change the way you do business day-to-day business yeah. so I think that's really exciting to see like in in you know a few years when when we've gone through all of the the you know how do we find the data and what are we how are we gonna you know all of this 
uh, emergency thinking that's going on right now, like then we can use it and and do good, mm. good, good strategy, good business. But looking at uh, last year, I mean, I would say maybe mo- one of the more notable events was also COP twenty eight, yeah. which which we were actually fortunate enough to to uh, attend uh, in in Dubai towards the end of the year. So, so what do you think stood out from from COP twenty eight, both from the sort of uh, macro perspective, the negotiations, but also from the the uh, discussions that were taking place on on premise, uh, both within the the uh, sort of uh, the blue zone and the green zone in 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 the the uh, yeah arena. Um, well, on on the macro level, uh, of course, you know, me and and a lot of people were uh, you know disappointed that we we couldn't do the the um, Face out, but you know what we what we had is at least step into the uh, right direction. Um, what I like when I it's my second time at, at COP, uh, and I'm I'm always uh, amazed like on all the solutions we have. So many solutions that we need to scale up. So you know, going through going to all of these. Um, all of these talks and, and and seeing all of these things that that we actually do have and do know how to use, and then it's just that that the tiny thing of, of scaling these things up, uh, um, and I also I was really excited about like seeing how how nature comes into play and all of these talks around nature and especially like when we were discussing do we really need COP for climate and then a separate COP for nature like shouldn't these two be combined, which which I thought was really uh, really good to to hear, and, and I was inspired for 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 this kind of future, like breaking down the silos, like not having one climate silo and one nature silo. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I thought that was definitely uh, a very interesting approach, and I, and I. I to agree that that the nature, I mean, not having been to a climate COP before, I was actually at the, the biodiversity COP in Montreal uh, the year before, but uh, it was interesting to see how how strong of a role nature uh, had, but not only nature and biodiversity, but also indigenous uh, people and the sort of stewards of nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so did you? I mean, between the COP you went in in Glasgow, right, and yeah. and then then now. Uh, did you see a big change thereof? Like, did you see this big of an emphasis on nature, both as a climate solution, but but also as a consideration of its own uh, and the role of of indigenous people in in this uh, transition? Yeah, no, definitely not. There was there was a, a lot less of, especially uh, you know, talks about indigenous people and and consideration of of their uh, knowledge. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought that was really, really inspiring to see that the increase of of just the awareness of of how much indigenous people can tell us and and help us with their knowledge on how to preserve uh, nature. Yeah. No, I think I think that was uh, that was really it was really nice to see, and it was also nice how they sort of were able to group uh, together these uh, pavilions and and sort of have a a home base for for the topics that people are maybe mainly interested in. Uh, so so uh, at, at least myself, I decided to spend a lot of my time at the Nature Positive Pavilion, yeah. uh, where, where it was kind of like going home, yeah. going back to to uh, COP fifteen, actually, and, and 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 especially now when we look towards twenty twenty four. I mean, COP sixteen 
is scheduled to, to be next fall in, in uh, Colombia. It's, yeah. it's going to be uh, really interesting to see how we are progressing with the global biodiversity framework and, and the sort of macro goals yeah. and, and see how hopefully we see, I mean, it might be a bit too early to see how the, the, uh, the corporate disclosures, uh, disclosure requirements are, are feeding into the, the indicators of, of how we can track progress. But hopefully I would say in the following COPs, we will see more, uh, more concrete uh, indicators on, on the action at least being taken by, by the, the private sector. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, there's, there's just so much good work going on, uh, and like all of these lingos we have, it's sad how different lingos we have. So, uh, for example, I, I, I did see a presentation on on um, uh, like nature research from the World Wildlife Fund, and and they were showing all of these reports and like all of this work that's been done, and I, I stood up and asked like how. How is this applicable to the corporates? Can we use this for like the TNFD and and all of these like how because what we need now is like how to measure nature, how to do find the baseline and all of these things, and and the scientist that was there he he hadn't even heard of the TNFD, so it's the we need like we I'm not gonna say that we don't need to know more because we always need to know more but we we also need to take the information that we already have and make it accessible to everyone so everyone can understand and use it for you know their uh, special you know not, not like an angle to to preserve and, and help nature and help you know us getting getting to our goals i mean you say that it should be it should be uh simple and accessible to everyone but but i guess one of the problems is that it really in many cases isn't that simple like it isn't it isn't always uh easy to make it understandable to everyone but but no. i guess one of the benefits that nature has is that you, can, you can provide more visual examples uh it depends on how you're how you're uh, collecting data but but to that point i mean how how feasible do you think it is to actually take uh i mean you can you can apply to this case where you have uh scientists who have been working on a subject for many years but may not know the latest lingo on on the tnft or the the european reporting standards or so on. I mean, how feasible do you think it is to translate this this uh, research into language that a uh, a maybe more financially minded person in in a reporting team mm-hmm. would would understand? Well, how feasible? I'm I'm not saying it it's it w- would be easy, but I think it would be definitely worth it to to like not have two, three, four words for the same thing uh, for us to be able to, to understand what what each of us is, is saying so, so we can apply these uh, these things because like what's happening now is like how do we measure biodiversity how do we measure nature how do we how do we because like biodiversity is different or nature is just different between uh, different locations mm. so so and that's the hard thing for for uh, for us that have been looking at, for example, climate, where we actually have a a standard phrase for how to measure climate and and you know in monetary terms and and all of this, but biodiversity is is even harder. So so being able to at least uh, have the scientists that have actually been researching nature um, to be able to understand corporates and then vice versa. Okay, how can we find 
uh, a common, you know, good um, platform, like a place for us to all understand uh, what each of us is saying, and then go forward from there and, and use use the information that we have as as a global society. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. It's 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 not easy, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be worth it. I think.